Praise God. I want to bring you a message of hope today. I want to bring a word. Everybody say hope. I want you to hear that word out of your mouth, hope. The Lord is giving us hope. I'm loving what we read out of Abraham. I'm going to go somewhere different today, but I want to read again. I want to read again what I'm reading now for the third week in a row. I'm not going to call this a part three because we are going somewhere else. But it says in Romans 4, verse 16, that Abraham is the father of all who believe. And it says in verse 18, this is the verse that is really, really encouraging me, and I believe it for the whole church needs to be encouraged, that it says, even when there was no reason for hope, it says there was no reason to hope. Why would he? He was 100 years old, right? Sarah's right there with him. These are these are people past, well past their prime, and yet the Bible says that God had given them a word. So Abraham kept hoping and believing. Praise God. There was no reason to hope, and yet he continued to hope. And the reason this is so powerful is the world has no hope. In the natural, there is no hope. We're in a more hopeless situation in the world than ever before. I know we, we're trying to keep, we keep trying to move on what began a few years ago. We keep trying to, like, move on. And it's not, it's not happening, just in case you didn't notice. Now, I'm not here to, encur- to discourage you. I'm here to encourage you, okay? But let's just look at it for, through our natural eyes for a moment, and then we're going to look at it through our spiritual eyes. Amen. In the natural, there is no reason for hope. It's, we are on a slow descent down, down, down. Who has noticed your grocery bill? We're acting like it's not happening. And I'm like, where's it going? Right? And that's just one of many, many, many things. I mean, it's just, it's just every angle. And, and we're like, they're inching towards trying to fix things, just making things worse. And, and it's not just here. It's the whole world. You know, France, right, they love their riots. Elliot said that they don't stand for it. They just riot. You know what they did? They, they took, they brought cinder blocks and mortar, and they're like, you know, when we're going to do a riot, we're going to do a riot, and they literally built a wall right in the road. That's making a statement. I'm not saying they should. I'm not advocating violence or, or, a, or a riot. I'm just saying that it's not just here. It's the whole world is tired of what's going on, but they don't know where to direct their zeal, right? They don't know where, right? We need to call on the Lord. He's our only hope. He is the hope we need. Amen. And that's what Abraham had. He was in a world without hope. It's the same world then as it is now. It was exactly the same, right? They didn't have electronics, but you read their story, there's family drama, right? People are stealing their stuff. I mean, it's just the same world over and over and over again. God was their only hope. He's our only hope. And so it says, verse 20, that Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. I love 
what, how the NLT, NLT translates this. It says, in fact, his faith grew stronger. Your, your translation might just say that his uh, faith remains strong, which is also powerful, but I believe that, and what I want to show us today is that it grew and grew and grew because that's our life in Christ, isn't it? It grows. He wants our faith to increase and to grow, and it brought glory to God. And he was fully convinced, verse 21, that God is able to do whatever he promises. I want to make some statements. There is a God who is greater than any other thing that calls itself God. Who believes that? He is greater than anything we put in his place. He is greater than your problems. He is greater than the devil who's bombarding you to destroy you. He is able and he is willing to do more than we ask or think. Give him room to fulfill his plans in his way and in his timing, but God is greater. Amen. Faith is not about believing only, but believing, obeying, walking it out, and walking it out, and walking it out, what we believe, and waiting for God. What I'd like to really point us out to, uh, for us to point out today is that he hoped and he believed he had faith because... He relied on God. I want you to say, I rely on God. Sometimes the word faith is generic. It really has many meanings and, and a depth of meaning. Right? We say, I have faith in God, but we also say, I have faith for God to do something. Or we say, we use our faith to believe. So, Faith really has a, an immense depth of, of meaning, and I really don't want to, to preach on what faith, I'm try to explain what faith is today, but I will say this in simplicity, that no matter, no matter where you're at with God, whether you are, you've been walking with the Lord your whole life, and you know the Bible frontwards and backwards, and we can say a scripture and they can tell you where it is, somebody in this room. Uh-oh, Dan doesn't like when I put him out. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with him a day or your entire life. We must be reliant upon God. Our faith in God is reliance on God. I want you to say, my faith is reliance. And you know, the Lord has a way of not giving you a choice. You have choices at times in your life, but I find that once you make the choice to follow God, he will allow you to be in a position, we've been talking about this a lot in the season, I'm aware, but he will allow you to be in a position where you have no choice but to rely on him. And what does it do? Come on, we talked about this just some weeks ago. Your faith begins to increase Right? Our hope in Christ actually increases. We love God more. 
So then we end up being thankful. We don't want to go into whatever it was that we were into, mental, physical, spiritual, that we went into to make us realize we needed to rely on him. I want to say this. We must be relying on him all the time, but sometimes you don't realize that you're not relying on him. So sometimes the Lord allows a time in your life so that you can either realize, yes, I've been relying on you and bring some comfort. Not, it's not pride or pat on the back, but okay, Lord, yes, Lord, and, and, and your faith can be stable and steady. And sometimes he will reveal in the situation that you're not truly relying on him, that you say you have faith. But when it really comes to relying on God, that's where you see that maybe you're not. It's not a place for condemnation. That's a place where God is coming to meet you to do what? He wants to help you and to give you the faith that you're crying out for. I want to read a, a psalm, Psalm 34, verse 9. I love this psalm. I've read it many, many times throughout seasons of my life because it says this. It says, verse 9, Fear the Lord, you godly, you his godly people. For those who fear him have, will have all they need. Everybody say, his people have all they need. But I love verse 10. Verse 10 says, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Why I love this so much is that the lion is the top of the food chain. We're not talking a baby lion when he says young. He's talking that lion's in his prime. And I was just meditating on this. When the lion wants to eat, guess what he's going to do? He's going to eat. That's right. He's going to eat. <laughs> because he's a lion, and there's nothing that's going to stand in his way. Praise God. God made him that way, I mean, you know? That's the, he's, the Lord's given us a picture here. But the Lord says that his strength is not enough sometimes. That I don't care who you are or how strong you are. I don't know what your straw is, but there is a straw that breaks everybody's back. You can stand and stand and stand and stand, and you can say, I'm standing on God's strength all you want, but one way or the other, God's going to reveal whether you truly are standing in his strength or you're standing in your own. And either that straw is, you know, is, is when it gets placed on your back, is placed on the Lord's back with you, or it's placed on yours and it breaks. The Lord says in human strength, or let's look at it this way. Your humanity is, is really an animal nature, right? We don't want to be human. We want to be spirit. We are spirit, right? We don't want to be, the older text calls it flesh, right? This flesh and blood. This flesh and blood acts like an animal, doesn't it? Without Christ, it's very animal-like, right? This flesh says, I need to eat. I want what I want. I'm going to do what I need to do to get it. It's only by Christ's deliverance in our lives that we don't think that way anymore. But at its base, it's very much animalistic. And the Bible says that the animal, as strong as it is, eventually even its 
strength that is so strong and so great, it won't, won't be enough. For whatever the reason, maybe, maybe it's brought on itself. Maybe the lion is, was so strong, jumped for something it shouldn't have and sprained its leg. Or maybe there's no more animals. It doesn't really matter. The point is, at some point, all your strength is irrelevant. And what the Lord says is those who trust in him, those who rely on him, won't lack. Praise God. Who's filled with faith already? We are not relying on our natural strengths or natural wisdom. We are relying on his strength and his wisdom. We aren't being foolish. I want to say this. Don't be foolish. If you're hungry, feed yourself. Be healthy. Be diligent. Work hard. Save. All right? I'm not talking about some sort of foolish relying on God where you just sit in your living room and you're like, the Lord's going to knock on my door and he's going to deliver my meals and he's even going to work out for me and keep me healthy. All right, take care of your body, take care of your home. If you have a car, take care of your car, because I promise you if you don't, it will break down, and then you can't blame God. But if you need money to pay to do it, then that's where you go to the Lord and you say, I, I can't afford the food. I don't have the money to take care of the car. Lord, you're going to have to come through for me. And in that place, you've done everything you can do. There's nothing else you can do, and you're going to have to trust in the Lord. We get this, what I'm saying. There's a point, there's a fine line where we can be foolish in our faith and not be diligent, and yet we must be completely reliant on him. It is by his ability that you can do anything. And when you've done everything you can do, don't give up, don't lose heart, trust in the Lord. Know that he gave you the ability. Now, this is, I'm going to say this twice because it's a tongue twister for me to read. But I feel like the Lord said this so clearly. Know that he gave you, all right, so he gave you the ability when it seemed like you were able to sustain yourself. Know that God gave you the ability. So when you are unable to sustain yourself, remember it was his ability all along, and he will do what you can't do. Wow. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul's going on a little bit of a rant and he does this many times in his books, and, but it's a good rant. Everybody say, it's a good rant, because he's got some things to tell the Corinthians. He says, we think you ought to know, all right? Anybody says that to you, I think you ought to know. You better get ready for a rant. He said, we think you ought to know dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed. What's it say? It says, beyond our ability. I just want you to raise your hands if you're willing with me and just say, God, sometimes I'm overwhelmed beyond my ability. And it says, 
that he's testifying that I was beyond my ability to endure, and in fact, we thought we would never live through it. Verse 9, in fact, we expected to die. Your translation might say death was like it was in me. I was fully aware death was knocking at my door, right? The sentence of death within me. It says, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises, I'm going to put a comma there anyway, who raises the dead anyway. In other words, I thought I might die, but then I realized that even if I die, I'm serving the God who raises the dead anyway. Wow. Which means what are we, what? There is nothing you are even by God. Listen, this is crazy, I know, for our human minds. But from God's perspective, there is nothing that you are allowed to fear, even death itself. Doesn't mean he does not understand your emotions, like I said during worship. Again, I find everything in Christianity is fine lines. There's a point where we cross over into flesh and into sin. He understands fear. It's what do we do with it? I'm afraid. What am I going to do with it? I'm going to bring it before him. I'm going to place it on the altar, just like I placed my pride. Placed fear there as well. And say, Lord, I'm afraid, but I'm going to trust you. And if I die, I die. Lord, you're the raiser from the dead. Amen? Praise God. It says in uh, the Amplified, it says, to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves. So it says, verse 10, it says in the NLT, he did rescue us from mortal danger. So what he's saying here is, he said, we expected to die, and I got over it. Everybody, let's just say, you ready for this? Get over it. I expected the worst, and I just learned to get over it because God is greater than the natural, and I know he can do anything. So I am ready for whatever this world may bring. I don't care who gets elected and what they think their big plan is to fix everything. I'm serving God above. And even if it all comes crashing down, I'm going to trust the Lord of all. Because my Bible says that when you get to that place, the Bible says he did rescue us. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Wow. I'm getting filled with faith myself up here. I'm preaching to myself. It's one thing to compile this, and you know, you're putting text together, but the anointing is not there when you're sitting in the office. I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's different once I'm standing up here. I'm getting filled with faith myself. I mean, the Lord is speaking. I hope, hope you hear it. I know you are. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness. Now, I love how Paul's making this dramatic. Sometimes maybe people could judge me a little theatrical, maybe over dramatic about things. I mean, look at Paul. Paul's like, 
Listen, I'm going to tell you something, but I first want to preface it with this. I'm going to talk about the God who said, let there be light in the darkness, okay? He's, he's, he's telling us this for a reason, because he's going to make a point here of how big God is, how incredible he is, and he says he made that light shine in our hearts, the, light, the, the God who said, let there be light, we're talking the immensity that we just can't even understand, the sun and the moon and the stars, that God put in the same way light into your heart so we could know the glory of God. I mean, it's incredible. That is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But he says something here. That's not my point. He says, I'm, he says that first because he's like, what I'm about to tell you next, I need you to understand how great this power is, how great God is, God over the power, God who is the source of this power in us. Because he says, verse 7, we now have this light shining in our hearts, the light of of the power of, we just, again, in Revelation says there is no sun, there is no moon. We don't need those things because Jesus is there. So I know that our human minds, like, it doesn't, I just can't comprehend it. But think about the power of the sun. Think about its immensity. Even the moon. I was just meditating with the Lord the other night. I don't know why. Maybe I just looked at it and then your mind's off somewhere. And I'm just thinking of, like, how the moon controls the ocean tides. You know, and, and, and that's just, it's unbelievable. And it says that that light is shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars, earthen vessels, right? Containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Wow. Again, I know I, it's, I'm not, I don't mean to be repetitive. I'm going to say it again. We're talking sun-making power. And yet he says, but, but me? But technically, if you want to really look at... And Paul... Right? They did this. They actually did make fun of him. They called him short. Right? They said he, he talked way too long. Peas in a pod. I guess just all preachers. Right? Guys falling out the window. Is he preaching all night? Right? They had things to say about him in his flesh. In his flesh, he said, I'm just a fragile clay jar. I'm just clay. And yet I have the power of God in me. But don't get it just because you see he's, he's making this point. But don't look at that power of God and think that, I, that I'm any. It has nothing to do with me. It's God's power placed in me. Wow. It says in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. It says, Yours, O Lord is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. 
Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. This is David talking to God. Don't you love how David talked to God? That's why never get tired of, you know, it might seem like Christianese and repetitive to just raise your hands and say glory, right, Dan, and give him majesty and praise, but the Lord loves these, these things. The Lord loves it. This is, he said this was a man after his own heart. Praise God. And we want to be like him. And, and so, Lord, yes, just you are so big and so great and powerful, and everything is yours. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Verse 12, wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Wow. Who's so thankful to be reminded of two things? One, the greatness of God. And the second thing is that he put that great, his greatness, his strength in you. That's why Paul would say so confidently, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because it doesn't, your weaknesses really, <laughs> if we were to put them on a scale, I'm talking the greatest of human strengths. And we put them against God's weaknesses. If there was such a thing, God doesn't even have weaknesses. It wouldn't even be measured. The Bible says that our wisdom is foolishness to God. His strength is in us. Everything we have is from him. It is for him. Because it says, verse 14, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, but who am I? Just say that out loud to God. Who am I? And he says, and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and I love this so much. The Bible just says it is such truth, isn't it? It really is so, it's amazing when someone flippantly, they really haven't even give it a, given it a chance, besides the fact it is the Holy Spirit that has to open your eyes. It's not in the natural anyway, but it's amazing how people just cast the, the Bible aside or they love their favorite, you know, John 3.16, and that's it. The Word is filled with so much life, so much truth. It says, I mean, this is such 2023 relevance right here. And this is 4,000 years old. We give you only what you first gave us. I was telling Rick yesterday, uh, I heard a preacher describe this so well. You take your little baby to McDonald's, and you take your money, 
and you buy them fries. And now your little angel's sitting there eating whose fries? Theirs, right? And you go to reach for one. Oh, why is everybody laughing? You know what happens next? What happens? Come on. Mine. Mine. You're sitting there going, do you realize? Let me me just break this down for you. The preacher didn't say any of this because it wasn't relevant then. I spent $4.30 a gallon to get here. And then I took my money that I went out and worked for. Well, you watch cartoons. And I bought you an entire thing of fries. And all I'm asking for is one. And you're going to tell me mine. How about this? How about no fries? How about no McDonald's ever again? We only give you what you gave us first. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, it says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. This just blows my mind. This blows my mind because sometimes we're like, yeah, God, but you didn't give me this. I worked hard for it. And what God's like, okay, oh, oh, you think you worked hard for that because you see bread. You're like, I took the grain and I ground it up and I made bread. Let me remind you, that I am the one who gave you the seed, which means all your hard work is not possible unless I gave you the substance and the ability. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm just, I didn't even expect this from the Lord today. I'm, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm not doing any type of theatrics. I'm, I'm blown away from the Lord as well. I really am. The Lord's encouraging us that he's got everything in his hand. He's got everything figured out. He just wants us to rely on him and trust in him and realize that you haven't done anything anyway, so there's no loss. All you've done is just do what he's given you the abilities to do, which means when you feel like you failed, guess who is right there to help you Do it again. Guess who can speak? Come on. He can speak into nothing, my word says. And he can make everything I see and know. It says, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. This is very interesting, and I'm going to close with this. Abraham... We talked for two weeks about him, this long wait. Everybody say it was a long wait. God's promise finally arrives. Praise God. 
It's a long time sometimes for his promise to arrive. And you know what God does? He's like, okay, now that you have that promise, it's home on the range, right? Just go on out, go enjoy your promise. I'll see you in eternity. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says, Hebrews 11, verse 8, his precious baby, he just waited 25 years for Isaac. Do you guys realize the immensity of this? 25 years for God to finally fulfill the miracle you've been praying for. And it says, God didn't waste any time. It says it was by faith, verse 8, Hebrews 11. This is just the summary. You can go back and read it in Genesis. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave home and go to another land, you know, and, and, and he did it, and he went without knowing where he's going. Verse 17, 25 years later, finally, it says it was by the same faith. Everybody say, by the same faith. Because he had learned to rely on God. He learned to trust that God knows best. And his faith was not that he could faith his way into an Isaac. His faith was in God who gave him Isaac. So when God says, give him to me again, his faith is not, there's no disconnection, there's no flaw in his faith because his faith remains the same. In fact, maybe it's even increasing. It says it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him. So reason goes out the window. Logic, trying to figure it out. I'm just going to keep trusting you, God, to my grave. Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Verse 19, the only reason you're allowed to do is biblical reason. You guys get that. The only reason you can do is, well, what is God's nature? What has God done so far? Who is God? Don't reason in yourself. Don't reason in logic. Look at God's history. Look at the track record in your life. You say, God's done it before. He's asked me to do crazy things before. He asked me to leave my land, and I didn't understand it. And he asked me to wait patiently for 25 years, and I did it. So if he's asking me this now, he must know what he's doing. And so he reasoned that God is God and that he will bring him back to life again. And it says in Hebrews, and in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Why does it say that? Because in his heart, it was already done. When he raised that knife, the angel stopped him. But this is not, he was not just going through the motions, okay, God, just raise the knife now. He had no idea what we know, the end of the story. Praise the Lord. 
God is so good to us. He's so kind. He's so merciful. And I really believe that the Lord wanted us to be encouraged, wanted us to be filled with faith and hope. And just know that it doesn't matter. Paul said, I've, I've learned to be abased, and I've learned, right, to have everything. I've learned to go into mountaintops and into valleys. I've learned to be in prison cells and chains, and I've learned to have meals with friends. I've, learned, I've seen it all, and I'm going to trust the Lord. We just need to rely on the Lord. It's a good time in the earth right now still. Like I said, you can see the writing on the wall, but it doesn't matter what changes. Praise God, right? It doesn't matter. We are trusting in God above this economy, God above this administration, God above the whole world's administrations, right? So be encouraged that whatever the Lord, wherever he's got you, whatever your story's been, your past been, the Lord knows what he's doing. And everything is for him anyway. It's all for his glory. Amen. We just thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that this word would sink in deep. God, put this word down deep in us. And I just thank you, Lord God. I pray you would fill us with faith, fill us with hope again, Lord, and encourage us. Remind us, Lord God, that you are above. Thank you, Lord. And that if you're telling us to trust you, then all we need to do is just trust you. All we, the only reason we need is that you are a good God. You've done it before. You're not going to fail us now. Praise the Lord. Give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.